Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Welcome, my listening friends, to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. It's Joe Nettles again. I'm welcoming you, inviting you to Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, near Caledonia, Mississippi, in the Bartahatchee community. And also invite you to Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church. She is pastored by my good friend and partner in this ministry, Elder David Wise. They're located at 11 Staten Road, just off Highway 15, just north of Ackerman. So come and join us 10.30 a.m. any Sunday morning that you can. Uh, we invite you to join us at 6 p.m. every Wednesday evening on the grounds of New Covenant Church located at 200 West Garrett Road in Starkville, Mississippi. We have an abbreviated service and some fellowship every Wednesday night, and we would love to have you come and join us. We invite you to go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. And please, while you're there, please send us an email. The links are there. Addresses are there. Let us know that you're listening. We would certainly love to hear from you. It would be a great, great encouragement to know that we are reaching folks out there. We also would encourage you to go to the Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church Facebook page, hit like, and activate the notifications. And anytime that we live stream a service, you'll be notified. We live stream all of our Sunday morning services and every Wednesday evening service at the Starkville Primitive Baptist Fellowship that we just mentioned. So we invite you to partake in that live streaming if you're unable to come and visit us in person. But we certainly would love to shake your hand and give you a hearty, charitable welcome. Speaking of charity, uh, we are in a series regarding charity from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And after this morning's hymn, we'll be right back with today's installment of this series on charity. Thank you so much for staying tuned with us here at the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. 
I'm Elder Joe Nettles, and I'm turning my King James translation to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, if you've been a listener to our broadcast, the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, you know that as, as of late, my installments have centered around 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and a treatment of the attributes of true charity as described in the Word of God. And charity uh, means love in action. Uh, it is interchangeable with the concept of true love, sacrificial love, the same love that is God, the same love that compelled Jesus Christ to come and hang upon a cruel tree for our sins, that same love that compels him to preserve us in his unfailing grace until the day when we're brought home to be in glory forevermore. That same love that will shower his glory and blessings upon us as the timeless ages roll on, if you'll allow me to word it that way, as we live in heaven. A love that cannot change, a love that cannot fail, a love that cannot die. And this is the charity under consideration in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. So for context sake, we're going to read the beginning part of the chapter. I won't rehash all of the points that we've tried to make uh, thus far. I would encourage you to go to gospel-of-grace.com and you can find the archive messages on this series if you so care to do so. So 1 Corinthians 13, 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not charity... I am become as sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not charity, I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, though I give my body to be burned and have not charity, it profiteth me nothing. Charity suffereth long and is kind, Charity envieth not. And now we're going to come to today's subject. This phrase, charity vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up. That word vaunteth may not be something that you use in your everyday vernacular nowadays. It is uh, translated from the Greek word perperiumahi, means to boast oneself, a self-display, employing rhetorical embellishments and extolling one's self excessively. As you can notice from that definition, it is focused on self. And here he says, charity vaunteth not itself. It doesn't present itself. It doesn't support itself. It doesn't advocate and advance itself upon other people. It is not puffed up. My friends, in other words, arrogant pride has no place with charity. And arrogant pride, or I could just say pride, because all pride is arrogancy. And I want you to notice as you read through your Bible, you'll never see the term pride used in a positive light in Scripture. Never one time in the Old nor the New Testament. Arrogant pride has no place with charity. Charity focuses on the well-being of others, right? I mean, true charity, it is a divesting of yourself for the good and the encouragement and the well-being of others. The very nature of charity looks outside of self for its joy and fulfillment. Now, contradistinct from that is pride. 180 degree difference in the opposite direction from love, true charity is pride because one, pride is focused on self. 
First, let's consider that. Pride being focused on self. You know, the child of God's devotion and attention should not be on self. No, a child of God's devotion and attention should first and foremost be focused on the Lord. Notice in Psalms 86, verses 8 through 12, oh, this expression of the heart regarding uh, the saints' focus on the Lord. He said, among the gods, that's little g gods, there is none like unto thee, O Lord. Neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great and doest wondrous things. Thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord, my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. There the psalmist shows that we have one God and one God alone. There's no one like him. Uh, in Isaiah chapter 46, he says, remember the former things of old. I am God and there is none like me. So my friends, our focus should constantly be on that God. He's our only hope. He's our only help. He is the only right and good and light and precious thing in this universe. And anything we see that is like that cometh from God and is sustained by God. So therefore, our focus, my friends, if it's not uh, on God, it tends to be on ourselves, isn't it? Well, that is contradistinct to true love. That's prideful when we don't focus on the Lord and we spend our time focusing on ourselves. Now, also, let's consider that simultaneously to properly serve the Lord also means to focus on others. Notice not self, but focusing on those outside of self to the Lord first, but improperly focusing on the Lord, uh, giving our devotions to the Lord, giving our affections toward the Lord. We've been commanded to focus on others. Notice the words that will be declared by the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ at that last day. As all nations are gathered before his great throne. Matthew chapter 25, we're going to read verses 37 through 40. Now notice the focus here. Then shall the righteous answer him saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? So here they are, they're confused, rightfully so. Because the Lord just declared that they had done, they had all of these good works to their charge and they're confused. They're saying, we don't recall ever having done this unto thee, O Lord. But notice what the king's reply is unto them. Verse 40, and the king shall answer and say unto them, verily, I say unto you, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, ye have done it unto me. In that, in other words, you are serving others with a motive of love, a motive of charity, he said, you have, in essence, in effect, you have done it unto me. I love a hymn by Charles Miggs, and it's called Others, just simply Others. And I want to read for you some of the verses, read for you the verses of this precious hymn. Lord, help me live from day to day in such a self-forgetful way that even when I kneel to pray my prayer, shall be for others. 
Help me in all the work I do to ever be sincere and true and know that all I do for you must needs be done for others. Let self be crucified and slain and buried deep and all in vain. May efforts be to rise again except to live for others. So when my work on earth is done and my new work in heaven's begun, I'll praise you for the crown I've won, but praise you more for others. And the chorus of this precious hymn says, Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I may live like thee. You see, my friends, we need to uh, not be prideful because pride focuses on self. It vaunteth itself. And my friends, that is contrary to true charity. Notice also that pride has an inflated sense of sufficiency in self. I mean, if you're going to be positing yourself to other people, if you're going to be supporting yourself, bragging on yourself, extolling your own virtues and power, then you must believe you've got a lot of sufficiency in yourself to be able to brag in such a way. But notice the words of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in John 15, 5, I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. In Acts 17, 28a is plainly declared for in him we live and move and have our being. Now, if without him we can do nothing, and certainly that means nothing in the realm of righteousness or spiritual well-being, uh, doing good works to the honor of our Lord, we can do nothing without Jesus Christ. And in him we live and move and have our very being. Certainly, if he is all of that to us, if he is our all in all, if he is our alpha and omega, our beginning and our end, my friends, then our sufficiency is not in ourselves. For without him, we can do nothing. In him, we must be to live and move and have our very being. Self-promoting, self-righteous pride is so contrary to love because it is so contrary to the Lord. I mean, remember the quote, God is love from 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. There, God and love are so near and dear that that is one of the very titles that God has seen fit to give himself in the word of God. God is love, 1 John 4, 8. Therefore, what stands contrary to God, listening friends, also stands contrary to true love or true charity. Consider Proverbs chapter 6, verses 16 through 19. Very well-known passage of scripture to Bible students. But I want you to stop and I want you to consider it speaks about six things that the Lord doth hate. Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. Now, what is so noxious to God? What is so contrary to God, God who is love, that he would say such things? That he would, what is he going to list here? Well, my friends, I want you to notice that every single thing that's going to be listed here at its very root is pride, sinful, self-serving, self-gratifying pride. Verse 17, he says, a proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, 
a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among brethren. Now let's break that down point by point. First, a proud look. Well, it's pretty self-evident, is it? That which is contrary to God, what he does hate. Yea, seven or the embodiment of all these is an abomination unto God. He said a proud look is the very first thing that was mentioned. A proud look, not just a haughty appearance, uh, but also a haughty mindset. Notice number two, a lying tongue. You know, telling lies shows rebellion against God's nature of truth. Deuteronomy 32 verse four says, he's a God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is he. So if we fight against the truth, which is what you're doing by definition when you lie, if we posit those things which are contrary to the truth, then my friends, we are showing forth a sinful nature, a rebellion against God when we knowingly, willfully lie. So a lying tongue, it's usually for self-promotion. We wanted to make ourselves look better than we are, or avoiding some kind of personal embarrassment. Doesn't matter. All of those have pride at its very root. Look at the third one listed, hands that shed innocent blood. You know, pride compelled Cain to slay his brother Abel. Think about this. Since 1973, when the Supreme Court ruled very foolishly uh, in Roe versus Wade, that it should be legal for women to terminate their pregnancies. Since that year, 1973, 63 million abortions under the guise of legality, 63 million aborted babies has occurred. 63 million. Lord, have mercy on us for our murderous, murderous inventions. Basically, every one of those 63 million abortions was as a result of fear of embarrassment or stigma. Uh, it was out of uh, a want of convenience. The pregnancy was inconvenient to the woman or to the man or both. Or some women just go and have an abortion just to spite the man that they're with. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what the cause of an abortion all of the reasons smack of self-concern, self-motivation, and self-focus. My friends, that is directly contrary to scriptural love. Notice next, a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. In other words, making plans to sin against God, another person or persons, or for fleshly gratification. All such plans are selfish if not malicious. Either way, it's the vaunting of self in your thought life. Because he said, a heart that deviseth wicked imagination. So in your thought life, if you're sitting around trying to conceive of how you can willfully carry out a sinful act or sin against another, or just simply sin against God, oh, friends, that is not charity. That is rooted in pride and a self-serving attitude. Now notice five, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Here we have sin conceiving 
and is going to bring forth death. This refers to acting on those wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief. Before it said a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Now here we see it in action. This refers to acting on those wicked imaginations. This is going from a proud thought life to a prideful way of life. To live this way is uncharitable through personal actions against the Lord. And on top of that, it's a poor example and a temptation to others who are beholding your life and your manner of living. Oh, it's just wickedness on top of wickedness. It's rooted in pride and it is directly contradistinct to charity. Notice our sixth item, a false witness that speaketh lies. A false witness that speaketh lies. You may say, you know, this is redundant, Brother Joe. Why is the Bible being redundant? Because earlier it said a lying tongue. Isn't it the same thing? It is not. A lying tongue means to just simply speak untruth. However, the focus of a false witness that speaketh lies, it focuses on speaking untruth to the designed detriment of another person. This is blatantly selfish and uncharitable. And now notice number seven, he that soweth discord among brethren. He that soweth discord among brethren. What a damnable thing. Whether the cause is directly self-serving or just simply malicious or both, to do so, to sow discord among brethren is to transfer a self-gratifying action from the proud person who spreads the seed of discord and just transfers that self-gratifying proud action among a group of individuals, all in an effort to inflame them, to display self-serving attitudes themselves like greed, wrath, contention, or antipathy against another. It's essentially pestilent pride, the antithesis of charity, an abomination to our thrice holy Lord. Notice the words of our Lord in Luke 17, verses one through two. Then said he to the disciples, it is impossible, but that offenses will come, but woe unto him through whom they come. It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea than that he should offend. And that word offend literally means to induce someone to sin, to tempt them to sin. He said, uh, it is better that a millstone were hanged about his neck and he cast into the sea. In other words, it was better for him to drown to death rather than that he should serve as an offense or an inducement to sin unto one of these little ones. How wicked it is for somebody to do so in a church or in a work organization or among a family. Sowing seeds of discord is so damnable to the Lord. It is uncharitable. There's no love in that. Friends, notice the words of Jesus in Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verses 46 through 48. Then there arose a reasoning among them, among the disciples, which of them should be greatest? Sounds like they're vaunting themselves, right? All right. Well, the Lord is fixing to break dogs from sucking eggs. Then there arose a reasoning among them, which of them should be greatest? Verse 47, and Jesus perceiving the thought of their heart took a child and set him by him. And he said unto them, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me. And whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. For he that is least among you all, the same shall be great. 
you know, to attend to the well-being or the receiving, as it were, of a little child, like the one who was drawn close by Jesus' side that day, to attend to that well-being of a child requires the caregiver to humble himself, right? Even though you may have charge over a child, that doesn't at all mean it's all about you, does it? I mean, after all, you wait to eat until after the child gets theirs and starts eating, right? Uh, you get them to bed before you lay your own exhausted head on the pillow. How often have you not watched some interesting TV show that you wanted to see just so a little one could watch a silly little children's show? For my kids, it was Blue's Clues or uh, Barney. How often do we swallow the words that we want to say and the frustrations that we feel when they do something wrong or when they try our patience just so we can replace those words and attitudes with that that will be wholesome and helpful for the child? You see, it takes a lot of discipline, a lot of humbling yourself so that that child can be lifted up. You see, when we are willing to focus on the good of others first, just like you would a child under your care, notice the Savior didn't just promise greatness in his kingdom. That, that's wonderful in itself. To be promised to be great in the kingdom, oh, what a blessing. But notice, above and beyond that, friends, he promised himself and his Father to you that they will come and dwell with you, that they'll comfort you, they'll strengthen you, they'll hear your prayers and your cries, they'll work out your issues even before you come to them, all because you are living a life of charity. Again, he said, whosoever shall receive this child in my name receiveth me, and whosoever shall receive me receiveth him that sent me. Oh, wonderful news, my friends. What a wonderful promise to those who live in charity, vaunting not themselves, but condescending to men of low estate to lift them up, to give them a hand up in this life. You see, friends, charity pays amazing dividends. It does not impoverish and beleaguer you, child of God, to live and speak and exude charity in this life. A candle whose only concern being its own light will eventually burn down and extinguish. Its benefits will melt away just like the wax that once held it. However, when that candle steadily engages itself in igniting other candles whenever the opportunity presents. Its heat and light never diminishes, does it? No. And what remains can be a thousand times brighter. How many lamps, how many other candles, how many fires have been started by that one flame? Throughout the hillside, throughout the house, maybe you see light blazing forward, encouraging, warming, helping, all because of the efforts of that one little flame that didn't extinguish itself one iota in doing so. Oh, truly, my listening friends, charity is not puffed up and vaunteth not itself. Let's humble ourselves and see who we can help today. Let's go out there and help someone else flame, burn brightly. And in doing so, we'll receive the Lord and be blessed to be greatest in the kingdom of God. Until we're able to speak with you again, I pray these things will bless your hearts and stir your mind in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you.
If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.